Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us in every day, in every way, on every occasion, in every season, at every moment, at every minute of every day to have power to walk in the dominion and the authority that Jesus has set before us. Jesus said this, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. This building is not the church, but we are the church, amen? That your house, that you encompass, Jesus lives on the inside of you, and your house, the house of God, ought to be filled with prayer. Somebody say, filled with prayer. And so Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And so there's many different types of prayer. I want to encourage you, if you have not been to one of our prayer meetings on Wednesday mornings or Saturday mornings, I want to encourage you, you need to get to one of those prayer meetings. Come to one. Come and spend time in the presence of God. Come spend time praying with your pastor and praying with the prayer leaders. Amen. It'll greatly benefit you in your Christian walk, amen? If you think about how much time Jesus spent in prayer and how important prayer was to Jesus, it'll make a difference in your life, amen? If you think about prayer and how prayer works, you know, there are different rules and different things, different guidelines for different types of prayer. Just like there are athletic sports, there are different, many different types of, of, of different sports that you can watch and that you can enjoy, but there are also rules for those sports, amen? You know, it'd be kind of odd to be watching football and somebody walk out there with a baseball bat to hit the football, amen? That would not be the rules of baseball or football. It would be kind of odd. It would be strange. And so we need to be careful. We need to understand why it's important to pray. Number one is the prayer of faith. If you look at James chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And so the prayer of faith is also what we could call the prayer of petition, the prayer to change things. This prayer always is to be based on God's revealed will in his word. The prayer of petition never contains the word if. It never contains the word, if it be thy will. That's the prayer of consecration and dedication. If you know what God's word is, you don't ever have to wonder, well, if you're praying for healing, if you're believing God for salvation, you don't ever have to pray, God, I want you to save me. I accept Jesus into my life, and I ask you to save me, and I believe I'm going to go to heaven if it be your will. That's not the prayer of petition. That's not the prayer of faith. But a prayer of faith says, God, your word says that if I would confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, accept him, confess him as Lord, you said that you would come into my heart and make me new. There's no if in that prayer. And so it's so important for us to understand because there's many times that someone would come and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we may be praying and say, well, God, if you really want us to do that, if you really know God gives us clear instructions in his word. Amen. Another prayer would be the prayer of agreement. Everybody said the prayer of agreement. We start off the year with prayer of agreement. We do a special Sunday every year. If you have not been there for this, I want to encourage you to be a part of this special Sunday on the prayer of agreement. It says this in Matthew 18, 19. He said, again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Amen. And so we can pray the prayer of agreement. Just recently, in the last couple uh, of services, I shared a story of my wife and I, how there's times that I believe that the greatest prayer of agreement that, a, that, a, that you can pray is the prayer between a husband and a wife. 
And as you, as a husband and a wife, as you come together in agreement, there's no higher agreement than that. Somebody say amen. Another prayer is the prayer of praise and worship. You know, we can see in, in Luke chapter uh, 24, it says, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Another prayer is the prayer of commitment. You know, the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil isn't a lion, but he goes about like a lion. There's things that the enemy will do. He'll try to rise up. How many have ever been to somebody's house before and, and maybe you went to knock on the door and all of a sudden you heard this dog barking and you thought it was going to be this, this huge, ferocious dog? And like this big, beastly dog. And then when you open the door, it's like a little chihuahua. You know, that couldn't even really hurt you. It just kind of kind of nibble on your, your ankles or something like that. The Bible actually says this, that when we get to heaven and when we comes to the time that we get to see who Satan was, the Bible says that we're going to look at Satan and say, that's who was doing all this. That's who was causing all this turmoil. That he'll be, I mean, it's going to be some small, puny, little, uh, you know, thing that, that is going to be like, man, why in the world were we afraid of the enemy? Why in the world were we afraid of the devil? We have to be careful and understand that, that we can cast all of our care, the prayer of commitment, cast our prayer on, on Jesus and cast our cares on him. Amen. Then there's the prayer of consecration. Matthew 26 says, and he went a little further. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if only hear, not doubt, but not in every prayer, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Jesus knew he was about to go and endure the cross. And Jesus praised the prayer and said, Lord, if it be thy will, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus didn't pray that prayer whenever he went to heal blind Bartimaeus. Jesus didn't pray that prayer whenever he went to raise Lazarus from the dead. He didn't say, God, if it be thy will, raise Lazarus from the dead. And when he showed up four days later, after Lazarus had already been decaying, after he already stunk, amen, all of a sudden he says, Lord, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And all of a sudden he spoke and said, Lazarus, come out. See, that's why it's so important that in this month of prayer and during this season of prayer that we pray things and all of a sudden there's things that God has given to you for you to declare, for you to speak. And when something shows up, when the enemy shows up like a lion, when all of a sudden there's a roar like a lion, all of a sudden you can say, God, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And you can say, God, I thank you. And all of a sudden you can call the thing that be not as though it were. There's also intercessory prayer. The Bible talks about this in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 16. He says, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, likewise, the spirit helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know what that scripture is talking about? It's talking about praying in your heavenly language. It's talking about being baptized with the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How many know Jesus is the one that fills us with the Holy Spirit? And that you can have a heavenly language that God wants to give every single believer. Amen. You know, every I want you to think about in the upper room, every single believer that was in the upper room was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was baptized, a tongue-talking believer, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love to say this. I heard Pastor Reggie say this years ago, and he got this from God. He got this revelation. He said one day he was praying, and the Holy Spirit told him and said, if you didn't need the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't have sent him. I want you to say that. Say, if I didn't need the Holy Spirit, Jesus wouldn't have sent him. We need to take time to study the importance. Jesus actually, in his word, in John, he actually said that he was going away to send us a helper, to send us a comforter, to send us something. But Jesus said, I must go away that I may send to you a comforter. See, it's sad that there's been a deception in the church, a deception that the enemy has tried to do to cause people to be blind to the fact and to think and to be scared of people speaking in other tongues. Amen. See, God, that is nothing but a deception of the Satan to say that what Jesus has sent, the gift, you know why I believe Satan has tried so strongly to, to, to cover that and to try to make that so weird and such an odd thing is because he knows the power of prayer. And if we would come to the understanding of the importance of how Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us in every day, in every way, on every occasion, in every season, at every moment, in every minute of every day, then we would have power to walk in the dominion and the authority that Jesus has set before us. But yet, if you're walking around in a state of not enough, in a state of despair, a state of, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do, then you need to get filled up with the joy of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says this, that the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. That's one of the things, one of the key ingredients that Jesus declares. And if we don't understand something, we ought to take time to understand it and not run from it. And so it goes on. Another prayer is the prayer in the spirit. And then finally, where I wanted to kind of focus on today is the prayer of supplication. Go with me quickly to Philippians chapter four and verse six. Philippians chapter four and verse six says this, be careful For nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Then he goes on in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, he says, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, I want you to circle that in your Bible, go there quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Everybody say all men. For kings and for all that are in authority and that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It starts off with supplications. It says, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. The word supplication means a humble, earnest entreaty or an earnest request. If a request is not made in a heartfelt, fervent, earnest manner, 
it would not be a supplication. We have to understand that there are supplications, there are things as we supplicate that we had to have an earnest, heartfelt request of God. Somebody say amen. And so let me encourage you too that as we pray, you know what, you cannot pray against someone else's will. Amen. It's important. You know, let me just share something. I read a story of a minister that had this, and, you know, I've seen this happen over the years. So I want to just share this story, maybe to bring some revelation to us this morning. It's your own decision. You get to choose the life that you live. A woman who had been praying for a certain family member to be healed was struggling and confused due to a lack of manifestation. When asked what she was doing wrong, the minister told her that it might be nothing. The issue could be very well that this family member truly believed in their heart. And so just because someone sounds or looks like they're in faith to receive something like salvation or healing or blessing or whatever it is, but in this case, this person was believing to receive healing, just because they look like it doesn't mean that they really are. And so one day, the man was so weak, he could barely pick up the phone. And so the lady had to hold up the phone to his ear. And so the minister said, well, don't die until I get there. So the minister got there. He ministered to him. And so he got better into the place that he was walking, eating, driving, all those things. And then all of a sudden, something happened, and he became discouraged. And even though he wasn't letting on about it to others, The Lord spoke to the minister in his heart one day and said while he was with them that he's quit. And so he's just decided that he's going to be home with Jesus. And so this fellow was an older uh, man and, and struggling. And so although it wasn't God's best, how many know that there are things that sometimes we settle for not God's best? See, there are times and things that happen in our life that if we're not careful, you might settle for not God's best. But God wants you to have the best. But you can choose it. And so although it wasn't God's best for him to just check out, it wasn't sin either. And so the minister told the lady and said, and it was actually his wife, and told his wife and said, the Lord spoke to me and said that your husband has quit and decided to go home. And he said, I believe it's God's will for him to be well. But do you know what? If he wants to go home, there's nothing wrong with that. How many know sometimes it's heaven or healed? You know what? Sometimes we might not understand everything that happens in life, but sometimes it's heaven or healed. And they're going to receive their healing when they're in heaven anyway. Amen? And so it's important. And so that gentleman had kind of made up his decision. And so he continued, and the minister said, you have a choice. Either you can keep believing against your husband's will that he'll recover. How many know that you can't pray against somebody's will, and that's not going to work? Or you can enjoy your last days together. You can make these days a mess. Or you can praise God that you know where he's going and love on him on his way. And you know what happened? Instead of saying, oh, pastor, yeah, I understand. And talking to her husband. Instead, she angrily rebuked the pastor and said, no, you're not in faith. And went ahead, and, and so the pastor kept visiting, and the gentleman in himself kept going through the motions, but the minister knew in his heart what God had spoken, that this man would die. And at his funeral, people were asking, why didn't it work? I just don't understand. And after his death, his wife found his journal, and on the exact day that the minister had spoken to her, he had written this in his journal. He said, 
I have just decided to go home, but I will continue to act like I'm believing so that people around me won't be disappointed. See, it's important for us to understand that because you cannot pray against someone else's will. But you can pray for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. And so I want to encourage you that sometimes if you don't see something happening for somebody else, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged by what the Word of God says. Be encouraged. And so we, he went through the motions, and we wondered why, and because he was just going through the motions. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go through the motions of church. I don't want to just come here and sing three hymns and a her and go home and say, oh, you know what? I feel good this week because I went to church. No, church is, church is something more than that. Church is something that is something that I live. It's not just something I do. But every single day, every moment of my day is about God and what God wants me to do and how God wants me to do it. Somebody say amen. And see, if you think that just coming to church once a month or once in a while or every other week or every, no, you should get planted in the house of God and say, God, I want all of you. I want as much of you as I can possibly get. I want to get planted because, God, I want to prosper in what you have for me. You know, I love this statement, and I say it often, tis one life that will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ shall last. You can do all these things in the world, but if you didn't do it for Christ, if you didn't do it for the right reason, if you didn't do it with the right motive, then it's all for nothing. And so there are things that we can do, and there are actually even, we could say, mechanics to prayer. One of the things that we must do is one of the mechanics is that we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And so why is it important that we pray? I read this statement, and it's a great statement by John West, and he said this, He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. See, I want you to think about it. Jesus has already come. He's already died on the cross. He's already rose again. But you know what? If you think about it, it seems that God cannot save anyone until they ask him to be saved. Until you ask God to come into your heart, until you desire that and you ask God and you ask God to make you new and make him the Lord of your life, then God can do nothing unless someone asks him. See, God's will is not being carried out on the earth except in the lives of those who surrender to him. That's why it's so important that, you know what, that every opportunity that I have to receive of him, I want to receive of what he has for me. You know, and so we, and so I want you to quickly go in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And this has been our scripture text for the month. And we've been reading this about also with the prayer, the armor, the prayer armor and things in Ephesians chapter 6. But it says this in cha- Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer. Somebody say all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6.18 says, praying always with all prayer. The first thing I want you to notice in this verse commands us to pray. It says to pray always. The word always is taken from the Greek phrase in Ponte Kyra, which the word en in would be better translated as at. 
And the second word, P-A-N-T-I, which means each and every, you could say that this word, pante, or pante, is an all-encompassing word that embraces everything, including the smallest details. How many know God cares about the smallest detail of your life? I don't even know how many hairs I have on my head. Some of us have more hairs than others, right, Brother Bernie? But God knows how many hairs we have on our head. God cares about the smallest detail. The last word in the Greek phrase, the word Cairo, is Greek word for times or seasons. You know, I want to share something about that, about seasons for a moment, because it's important for us to understand that there are seasons in life. Right now, we're kind of in a fall season. Our church has been in a prayer season. We're in a growth season. Everybody just say that today. Just say, we are in a growth season. But I want you to understand that it's important to know that storms are not seasons. See, sometimes we get sidetracked and think that storms are something that are, are meant to throw us off the path that God has for us. I want you to think of the story when Jesus got into the boat and told the disciples, let's go to the other side. What happened on their journey? On their journey, they ended up a storm arising. I want you to understand something that is important to know, that the disciples were in perfect obedience. They were in perfect obedience to what God wanted them to do. And yet, even in perfect obedience, a storm arose on their path from one side to the other side. And see, I think many believers have been confused to think, oh, well, all of a sudden this bad, this horrible thing happened in my life. This must have been God trying to teach me something. How many know that that is not true? Storms are meant to throw us off the path of God. They are not signs from God. Somebody say, oh, well, so-and-so got sick with cancer the other day. That must have been God trying to tell them something, that God wanted them to go and minister in the hospital. No, why don't they just go and minister in the hospital? See, it's important for us that, that things that happen in our life, storms that come to try to kill, steal, and destroy, those storms, those things that if something is trying to kill something in your life, if it's trying to destroy your marriage, if it's trying to kill your health, if it's trying to steal your health or steal your family member or take something out of your life, that storm is not something from God but something from the devil. And it is meant to take you off the path from what God has has from you. Good illustration of something that happened just the other week, Brother Jermaine, who's running the soundboard today. Two weeks ago, I laid hands on him, prayed for him in the Holy Ghost. He went down on the power of God. I believe he received an impartation on that day because he was in the house of God. He received something of the God. When he went to work on Monday, the uh, boiler that he was working at ended up exploding and threw him back up against the wall. See, there are times that is not something that God put in his life. But it was a storm meant to take him off the path of what God wanted him to do. And see, what happens is I see that when we're in this growth season, and I see Christians that are, that are trying to mature in Christ, all of a sudden, as you begin to step closer to God, the enemy doesn't like that. 
And so as you get closer and closer to God, the enemy wants to try to deter you. And so when I see someone that's coming to the church, that's about to hook up to the church, that's connecting to the church and beginning to do what God wants them to do, all of a sudden, then all of a sudden it seems as if the enemy will come in because how many know the enemy wants to steal the word that's been planted in your heart? And if you don't have a clear understanding of where storms come from and why storms happen and how they come, then you're going to get deterred because something happened and you're going to think, oh, well, maybe I don't need to be at that church. But that is not of God. That is of the Satan because he wants to try to take you off the path. And so Brother Jermaine could have been confused. It could have, been, could have said, man, I don't know if really serving the Lord is really worth it because, man, now look at this. And then on Thursday, all of a sudden he's driving his car and all of a sudden someone pulls out and hits his car and he gets in a car wreck. That was not from God. That was a storm. That was something that the enemy put in his path to try to take him off the path out of the calling that God had had in his life. That's why it's so important that the Bible says that you should teach a child, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. But if your child isn't in the house of God, if your child isn't in a place that they can receive of the Holy Spirit and receive of the anointing of God, then you or your children might miss out on what God has for them because when a storm or something arises, we might be confused and think, oh, God, is that you? No, it's never God. See, it's important. The disciples were in perfect obedience, and yet they they even had a word. See, that's what God wants us to do in prayer. That when we're seeking God in prayer, God is going to give us a word. The word that he had for the disciples was go to the other side. See, there is a word that Jesus wants to speak into your heart and speak into your spirit that he wants to give you. But if you don't spend time in prayer to receive that word, and if you don't start going and doing what the word is that God gave you, then you may miss out because the enemy might have something. See, the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That doesn't mean that weapons will not be formed. That doesn't mean things will not come up. That doesn't mean just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be immune from the attacks of the enemy. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the shield of faith can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. See, you have prayer armor. You have battle gear that you can pray. And when something happens, you can say, no, Satan, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He didn't rebuke himself. He spoke to the wind and the waves and he rebuked it and said, peace, be still. Everybody say, peace, be still. See what the disciples ought to have done is said, wind, waves, Jesus told us to go to the other side. I command peace, be still, and went on to the other side. See, Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one. We can have Jesus is the one that modeled what we are supposed to do. That when storms come, we rebuke it and say, peace, be still. Now, I want you to look back at Ephesians 6.18 and that word and that phrase. Ephesians 6.18, he said that we can more accurately say it this way and translate that scripture into saying, praying at each and every occasion, at every possible moment, with all prayer. But I want you to notice that this verse goes on to say that you pray with all prayer. This phrase in the Greek is the phrase, um, I'm going to spell it, D-I-A-P-A-S-E-S-P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E-S. 
I'm not even going to try to say that word. And when the phrase is translated, it so brings the full meaning of the phrase, it suddenly becomes much more with all kinds of prayer. Praying always on every occasion, on every moment with all kinds of prayer. Here, the translators in different versions said it this way. The Amplified says praying with all manner of prayer. The NIV says all, all kinds of prayer. And so uh, another translation says with all kinds of prayers that are available for you to use. The nature of supplication is, a heart, is, is more heartfelt than casual requests. The word supplication means a humble, earnest entreaty request. If a request is not made heartfelt, fervent, earnest manner, then it would not be supplication. Let me just read a couple of things as we close today. I want to just read a couple of things for whom can supplication be made for. First, we can pray the prayer of supplication for ourselves concerning both the natural and spiritual needs. We've already read it. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Second, we can pray the prayer of supplication for God's people, for the believers, and for all saints. We read that in Ephesians 6.18. Third, we can pray the prayer of supplication for all men and for those that are in authority. That would include unbelievers as well. See, we've already read 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, that I exhort you that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life of all, in all godliness and honesty. For what can supplication be made? One of the things that we can have which supplication can be made is for laborers to be sent into God's harvest. How many know that we need to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest? Somebody say amen. And so supplication can be made for those. Supplication can be made for rain of God's Spirit to be poured out upon the earth. Uh, Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 says, Ask the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so that the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone's grass in the field. The word ask means to desire, to ask, to earnestly require and fervently ask. And so these are the characteristics of supplication. Fervent, heartfelt, earnest, heartfelt prayer. Such prayer makes tremendous power available. James chapter 5 verse 16 tells us this. Finally, we pray the prayer of supplication to lift up the spiritual needs of others. How many know that we need to lift up the spiritual needs of others? And so the words prayer and pray literally means supplication or earnest prayer. Supplication is earnest prayer. It's white hot prayer. It boils over with passion and desire. How many have ever been praying before and just, there's just been a fervency of prayer? And all of a sudden, as you were praying in your prayer closet, as you were praying, just something, just as you began to pray and you knew that you were interceding on behalf of somebody else. See, God wants you to have that type of prayer, that type of supplication for others. Amen. I want to encourage you to pray as you pray a prayer of petition, as you pray the prayer of supplication, begin to pray for others that their eyes may be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling. Amen. See, we need to pray that others would not be deterred, that someone else would not be thrown off the path because of what the enemy desires to do in their life. Somebody say amen to that today. <laughs>